Hello and welcome to Do the Right Thing, a weekly writing prompt podcast. I'm Matthias. And I'm Jarvis. Both of us love storytelling, but we know that sometimes it can be difficult to just sit down and write. So, we're taking turns doing a challenge. Each week, one of us sits down and writes for 30 minutes. Our goal is to create a complete short story using three of four randomly generated words. Then we come on the podcast, uh, we read the story, we talk about what we learned in writing it, and then we talk about stories uh, written by you listeners. We're simply here to help you do the right thing. A, a doof, doof Media, media production. production. Dope. Ah. It only took us 60 episodes to, to get that down. Yeah. Um, <laughs> actually, this is 59, right? Yes. Yeah, so uh, almost next, 60. Almost 60. We've, we've been doing this eight weeks longer than one year. Wow. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> what a great milestone. Yeah, um, I want to uh, apologize for any like bad audio on on my end. I'm recording in an echoey room. Um, I had my septum pierced today, um, so my nose is all like literally and, like, like one out. hour. Yeah, li- yeah, a couple. Yeah, just a couple hours ago. So I'm still dealing with that, and uh, there's also a cat which I'm allergic to. So just just a lot a lot of stuff going on here. Um, so just just apologies. <laughs> But otherwise, I'm I'm pretty good. Uh, what about you, Jarvis? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I've finally gotten back home after spending some time with my family, so that was a really nice uh, recharge. Um, and yeah, uh, just uh, pretty excited to work on this podcast. I've been trying my best to keep myself busy because uh, I guess now it is officially, I guess, quote unquote, summer vacation. Even though nothing's really gonna change, so. Yeah, it's super super strange talking to um, you know like younger siblings or like friends of the family who like are still like they just technically finished classes like a week ago because yeah. I forget that college lets out so much earlier. Um, yeah, that's that's super strange to me. Yeah, and now they're in the exact same boat that 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 we are. Um, but thankfully uh since uh we both have this podcast there's something to look forward to at the end of every week yeah just because it's summer doesn't mean that you uh should stop working on your craft i know in in, studies in fact especially during this summer i think it's great to uh uh even up the amount of time that you really give towards that craft uh because hey we got nothing but time, baby. Every time I think about summer, I reminded of a certain like tutoring service commercial where like a kid he uh, is just like a little kid and he gets out of the pool and you know he so he like hits the side of his head to get like water out of his ear, right? Mm-hmm. Um, except uh, instead of water, <laughs> it's words like math and like le- like writing and like other s- the skills that you learn in school, and then like the message is like you lose a lot of your skills over the three months that you don't practice them. Um, like so put your kid in summer tutoring um and so i that's terrifying to me that you just like <laughs> lose it like water yeah. at the pool um, <laughs> i think i've seen the exact same commercial and like every time that i saw it i was like that's that's not true you don't forget I, everything <laughs> you probably for, do forget like a bit though which is mm. like just it does seem like something's wrong anyway uh pr- yeah. practice writing that's the message here yeah. um practice uh, writing and uh, keep up on those maths that the, the last thing i'm gonna say before we should just get into the actual episode proper yeah. um i started a new podcast it's called uh decomposing worm i think i announced <gasps> it last episode See, um, senor. Uh, yeah so we we, we we started that with uh 
with Clarence. Uh, first episode's out. Um, I'm really, really happy with how it turned out, although I wish that we had cut down the script a bit because it was three hours long. But um, <laughs> otherwise, it was really, really good. It's always a joy to talk to Clarence. So I'm glad that it turned out the way it did. So Yeah, and I'm glad that uh, y'all both seem to enjoy making it so much. Like that's, that's really great to find a project that you are very proud in in that aspect so really really great yeah um yeah i'll i'll remind everyone about that at the end of this podcast as well before (laughs) we uh announce next week's words all right well uh, let's get into it right cool so this week's words were what matthias wrestle rush central and discourage Ooh, and which ones did you use this week um i used wrestle rush and central um and uh, you'll, you'll find out pretty quick. I wrote uh, kind of like a uh, arena kind of thing. Uh, uh-huh. And I felt like some of the words, you know, wrestle and the other ones were leading in that direction. Um, and I'm pretty happy with how it turned out. We were focusing on uh, action uh, this week, right? Uh-huh. So I did write something with some, some good amount of action. Um, and I'm excited to talk about how that worked or didn't work. All right, nice. So uh, let's go ahead and get into your story. Mm-hmm. So this story is called Hybrid Dueling. An arena attendant guided me up the steps to my pedestal, and I was greeted with a full view of the arena. It was styled in a Romanesque way, all yellow concrete, a circular pit filled with sand. Above the main bit were bars, with glass shielding all around, and beyond that, leagues of hybrid dual fans milling around between the fights. This tournament was still in its appetizer phase. That's what I was. There was no weight classes in hybrid dueling, no top or lower leagues. The way they balanced fights so that it wasn't always little modified scrub lizards getting devoured by augmented crocodile-ape mixes was that competents were always allowed to choose their opponents. Runts wanted shots against the big guys, and big guys wanted to fight other big guys they thought they could beat. If they thought they could lose, they wouldn't take the fight. All he had to do was know how to pick the right opponent. It wasn't easy. You had to read up on all the competition, consider not only past fights, but how long between the last and the new, and if they had the funding for upgrades and what kind. Were they the type to switch up their style between fights? What were the rumors saying? Could they be trusted? And even after you considered all the factors, researched every aspect of the competition, you never know what tricks have been cooked up. You could always be totally, completely wrong. It was always a gamble. Today, I was one of those runts. The ones that came in planning to lose. At least. That's what everyone else thought. Except I was going to win, damn it. Above, I could see the banners on cheap Neo screens advertising the match and sponsors. The headliners showed up, the main one being Hetrocon, an Easterner with a winning streak. Their Gao Galu, something reminiscent of a werewolf and a primordial lizard, had ripped apart more hybrids this season than anyone not in the top ten. By nature of the tournament, the headliners were going to be entered in the bracket like everyone else, but there was a full expectation that they were going to dissolve the competition. A week ago, we'd had all our creatures inspected, our histories vetted. They even ran x-rays through all of our hybrids to find out any secret bits. 
That was done after someone had rigged their creature with an acid trap inside its stomach to force a draw if it was about to lose. An opponent got a good claw in the belly, the acid trap blew, killed the opponent, killed itself, but worse, the spray landed beyond the cage, scarring the front row for life. Literally. So now the bars have been covered in glass, acid has been banned, and we now have to go through x-rays. My opponents knew what they were up against, probably even the runts. They'd even run a background check on me. 12-time tournament to runt, 8 wins, my highest dual win streak against other runts, mind you, being 3, and that was 4 tournaments ago. I was poor, got my biofunding from the tournament performance pay, paid for food with a day job giving the neighborhood kids gene lifts, and they knew that. You got paid for wins, but also for performance, and my hybrids died in dramatic ways. I was as underdog as they come, and they thought I liked it that way. I was a facet of the wheel, baby, and people are comfortable when the wheel turns greasy-like. But not today. I smiled as I saw the other headliner, Amicus Burlow, climb up the pedestal. She was tall, scarred, even though she could afford to remove them, and dressed in a jacket made almost entirely out of fringe, like something had pounced and taken tooth and claw to it. She plopped down into the big seat on her side, a relaxed composure like a comfortable conqueror. It was a recent look. I bet it was meant to balance out against Hetrocon's fierceness. I stepped up to the bars, looking up at her, because of course the runt's pedestal was lower. I yelled, loud enough for the microphones to hear. Amicus, remember me? She looked down at me and sneered. Then she turned to look at her lackeys behind her, as if to say, You see this punk? And they all laughed and giggled. I had to hold back my own laugh, threatening to burst out of my throat. It's all part of the performance, honey, I thought at Amicus. Come on, be my bad guy. I could taste the revenge narrative. She was on the down and out at this point, and she knew it. That's why she turned heel. You get another go at being interesting when you become a bully, put on a character. She probably came prepared for a loss. This fight against Hetrocon was probably her last shot irrelevance, at least unless in her retirement she can convince some hapless rich fan to fund another big idea. She finally ended that long look at her comrades, and they finished their giggles. She leaned down to look at me, making sure her angles left her looking big and strong. In a voice modified to sound deeper, she let a single laugh. Ha! Then said, No, I don't remember you, runt. And I'm not gonna remember you after Gut Wrench leaves your hybrids intestines in the sand. Your Gut Wrench turned my dear Scorpula into paste. She was my friend. I put some emotion into my words. I had to think of something sad happening, like my mother coming back and apologizing or something. Then I huffed a breath and lowered my tone, still loud enough that the microphones could hear, of course. Now, I'm going to take my revenge. I didn't actually care about my Scorpula. It had just been another experiment. I hadn't even named it until a form asked for one. No, all my previous hybrids were trials to perfect what was now my newest creation. The one that was going to win this match. She knew as well as I did that this was a performance, but she thought I was doing it for her, to set her up for another big win, stomping someone down. 
in the hopes that she would throw me some credits for the little boost. She was so wrong. She let out a hefty, evil laugh. We'll see about that, runt. Start the match. She waved a hand, and a gong sounded. Chains whirred. The gates rolled up, and our creatures stepped into the arena. Hers, gut wrench, burst out the gate, planting those long arms, and roared, spittle flying off a mess of fangs. A good show. Mine stepped out. It was short, only half gut wrench's size, a head shorter than me, even, and furred, which was one of the basest skins. Scales were more armored. Bare leather made sure the hair would make would make grabs easier. Scarzar was sinuous, a cross between a weasel and a snake with powerful kangaroo legs and long arms. Not from actual kangaroos, but modeled after them. He didn't look like much. He really looked like any other runt. Still small, still looking like he was made of shoddy material. But he was better. No secret tricks, no hidden blades, no poison, no extra limbs under the skin. Just better. His steps onto the field were calm, assured. His natural walking stance was more of a hop. Those back legs were better for that kind of movement, but I had trained him to walk carefully for showy moments like this. He looked like a wary puma, snaking and prowling around the edge of the arena. All part of the performance. The confidence was supposed to juxtapose how quickly she tore him apart, but it also made for a great hero narrative. You ready to have your runt torn in two? Amicus yelled, voice thick like her creature. No. I looked up at her and let her see my expression. A total, neutral confidence. Are you? Her eyes widened a fraction. I could see her expression adjust, her chin getting just a bit more set. She turned back to look at the creatures. She knew what was happening here, but it was too late to back out. Now she could only hope that I was a fool. I wasn't. The horn blared, a long sound that kept going even as the two launched at each other. Fur collided with leather as Gutwrench swung those long arms into the side of Scarzar. But he was ready, shifting the side along the ground with a blow, twisting out of reach of the clumsy hands. When Gutwrench had reached the edge of its momentum, turning its body to face Scarzar's new position, Scar planted his feet, and with those powerful legs, rocketed forward. Gutwrench stuck an elbow out, but the angle was off, glancing, not blocking, and Scar sank teeth into it. Then his neck went rigid, and he let his entire body swing around Gutwrench with emotion. Flesh ripped as those teeth, made jagged just for this kind of motion, like saw blades, twisted in place. Scar let go and landed feet first, tail whipping out for balance. This is what I'd made Scarzar for. No dirty tricks, no one-hit wonders, just a damn good strategy and a body made for it. You know the saying, death by a thousand cuts? It's too slow in practice, but if each bite is delivering a couple hundred deep tears, well. As if to answer the thought, a slice of flesh fell from Gutwrench's elbow, dangling by what seemed like threads. Purple blood splattered against the ground. The announcer yelled, First blood goes to Scarzar! 
Amicus looked appalled. But the crowd was loving it, people up in their seats and yelling, adding to the rush in my ears. The strategy was also made to be dramatic. I allowed myself a small smile. The two circled each other around the central ring, blood dripping from Scar's teeth and Gutwrench's arm. They both still looked confident. Scar tensed as if ready to leap. Gutwrench did the same. Scar leapt to one side, and Gutwrench started heaving a punch, but it was a fake-out. A short hop, and as soon as Scar's feet were planted, he coiled, whole body, and sprung. The resulting leap was much higher than Gutwrench expected, and Scar sailed over. He landed on its shoulders, twisting, teeth planting onto neck, front claws digging into shoulders, and then those back legs, tipped with razors, began eviscerating Gutwrench's back with a sound of tearing paper. Long stripes of purple whipped out into the sand behind them. Gutwrench roared and began wrestling with Scarzar to get him off its back. They fell to the ground together, sand spraying. For multiple seconds, Scar was able to dance out of the way of those arms, each hop scoring chunks of flesh out with his teeth, before Gutwrench was able to get a handle on Scar's forehead. It tried to squeeze, but Scar planted his feet again. There was a tearing sound, and Scar was able to hop away. A small puff of red blood hung in the air. When Gutwrench opened its hand, a patch of skin and fur, as big as my face, fell. I could feel the audience turn their attention to Scarzar, the missing flesh revealing a smooth white skull underneath. No bleeding. I smiled fully at that. It had taken months to figure out a healthy way for essentially a bone exoskeleton. The scan would have shown an actual exoskeleton, but there was no way to tell the properties of skin without testing it. And who would test the skin of runt fur? The two leapt into battle again. I could see Amicus stand, and tense, clearly worried about what was going on. Scar had the upper hand, though those long arms got a solid hit in the fighting. But Gutwrench was bleeding now. Now! Amicus yelled, interrupting my thoughts. Now what? Gutwrench smashed its shoulder into Scarzar, getting a second of space, and Scar readied for another leap. But then, Gutwrench did something strange. Instead of pressing the attack, it brought one hand to the other and tore. There was a sickening wet crack and gore flew, and then Scarzar leaped and I knew it was the wrong move. Gutwrench met Scarzar's chest with its now injured hand, and there was a yelp. Scar was caught. It scrabbled at its chest, and I could see red blood plummet off and down Gutwrench's arm, mixing with wet, purple sand. I held the bars of the viewing area as Gutwrench raised its other hand to grab Scarzar's throat and squeeze. More blood. More choking noises. Scarzar slowed its movements. The crowd was wild, screaming, whooping. Amicus stood up to laugh, full belly. I couldn't hear it. I only watched as Gutwrench flexed and tore Scarzar apart, head and shoulders from chest. I looked away. It was over. The announcer blared the announcement. My fists were tight. I only saw the bloody sand. How much money, how much time was lost here, now? My face was wet, 
and I half expected it to be the blood that was sprayed messily across all the walls. Blood I had grown myself. Gut wrench released my pet, leaving it in pieces on the floor. It shook its hand loose, the one that had been deep in Scarzar, and I could see now. Its hand was snapped back, flat against the arm. At where the wrist should have been, it was a sharpened spike of bone, drenched red. It must have been hidden in the forearm bones, blending in with the surroundings in the scan. I looked up and saw Amicus smiling at me, and it was a smile that was mean and knowing. She'd gotten me with a dirty trick, and she knew I hadn't made this easy for her. I'd lost before. I'd lost plenty of times before, but never when I had really been trying. If this was supposed to be my big entrance, and I'd botched it. I'd given enough of a performance that I was on the radar now, but I had no rep to show for it, no success for funding, and now I had an enemy. Damn it, I thought. Damn it. I told the attendant to send my pay to the usual place, and left. Wow, that was a really great story. Um, I absolutely loved uh, just kind of not only this this world that you're building, but your attention to the action definitely made us feel like we were there. Um, so what kind of inspired you to even write this? Um, I, I real quick just want to uh, put a lampshade on um, the uh, Love, Death, and Robots um, <laughs> episode that this is not a ripoff. Of, I mean, it's definitely inspired by that. But I did have this idea originally before I watched that episode. I promise. So, yeah. what about a uh, a real steel? Uh, or real steel? I did watch before I got the idea. So maybe <laughs> I did steal this from real steel. This is a biological <laughs> real steel. I mean, honestly, um, I feel that more people should borrow stuff from real steel. It's a for, it's a forgotten movie from 2013. I'm gonna be honest. I went in not wanting to like the movie, and then I liked the movie. So, <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. So just the, you know, I, I really like biopunk stuff. I love Twig. This is just another little avenue of that, right? I mean, you know, watching animals fight is extremely unethical, but it is pretty damn cool. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, don't do it because that's cruel, and they're alive. But this is yeah. fiction, so I can do that. And what's even cooler than animals? putting animals together and making them weird so (laughs) i mean hey that um, is why uh, pokemon has been as popular as it has been for so many years yeah so think of this as like a really weird pokemon a really (laughs) really bloody yeah a metal uh, pokemon (laughs) metal pokemon with like some messed up people doing stuff (laughs) all right so there's a lot of elements in this um a lot of stuff i can talk about of of course we want to focus on the action probably so Mm -hmm. how did it work for you was it clear what was going on was there parts that like just were confusing yeah Um, i mean throughout it was really clear i think something that i really liked is um the time that we're that we're spending in this main character uh, in this main character's head and also how cocky they are going in to this match and uh, as, you know, the events of the story unfolds, you kind of see that, oh, his, his confidence was probably mis- misplaced. And uh, how much he, he really believed in this creature that inevitably got strangled and ripped in, in, <laughs> yeah. Uh, in half. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I, that, was, 
that was a aspect that I really really liked how in the beginning you spent a lot of time talking about these these two uh, opponents before we, we even see what kind of creatures they've came up with yeah so regarding um, like all, setting up the character a lot I actually didn't realize that this guy's character or this guy's hybrid was gonna die until I was like basically done with the story um, oh, okay. Yeah, it, I, I basically was like, well, okay, what's the twist here? What's, like, the surprising thing? And it's like, oh, plot twist, he actually loses. And I think that actually, like, really made this story a lot more interesting than mm-hmm. what I was originally planning, because with all of, like, the, 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 the cockiness and the, like, the sureness that he's going to win and uh, all of that, it's really setting up kind of the stakes here and, mm-hmm. like, making the fall even greater. And so it, it, like, if he'd gone in and was like, okay, I'm going to lose, or if he went in knowing that he's going to win and he does win, right? And there's no, like, he almost loses kind of thing. No, you know, there there would be a lot of loss of tension. Yeah. Um, And then also, like, I think a really cool thing that you did by having him uh, lose at the very end is that it provided the story with a different trajectory than I at first thought it it would be. Because if he had one... Well, that would have been awesome, and it would have been a really great scene that you painted. But you know, there isn't any sense afterwards. Like, all right, cool, right. this cocky main character won, so I guess his cockiness was well placed. Instead of now, you're like, oh wow, he spent so much money into creating this this monster, and now he's out of money, he's out of rep, and now he just has to go back home. <laughs> It makes the story a lot more interesting if then if he just like got what he wanted mm-hmm. and that's it yeah so i think that yeah that ended up being turning out pretty well uh focusing more so on the uh action right because uh, i know one big issue that i found when when it comes to writing action is deciding what to focus on what to keep in and how much description you really have to set up so that when you do get to the action, the picture you were trying to to paint isn't really lost. Um, mm-hmm. And in this one, you did really well. Like like I was through it to the very end, and I could see these crazy monsters battling uh, it out. So I guess my question is like, what was that process of trying to decide what to focus on, what to keep in? Yeah. So um, I, I think a lot of it was like looking at how other people have do it and and talk about it i think Mm -hmm. it probably was like a sanderson lecture or um writing excuses that's another great writing podcast it's a fantastic one (laughs) yeah that that talks about i I don't really remember where i got this phrase but with action it really helps to have like you you have an eye and it's looking one particular place and it's like moving as like stuff is going on and like Mm -hmm. like what is the eye tracking kind of thing Okay. And so, okay. like, to t- to look at like this this first paragraph, right? So, uh, mm-hmm. the horn blared. The sound kept going as the two launched at each other. Fur collided with leather, right? So we're looking at just like skin. Yeah. And then we zoom out. Uh, gut wrench swung those long arms into the side of Scarzar. So now we have like that impact. And then we now we're looking at Scarzar. He was ready, shifting the side along the ground uh, with the blow, twisting out of reach with the clumsy hands. When gut wrench had reached the edge of its momentum. Uh, Scar planted his feet and with those powerful legs rocketed forward. So it's like, this is like a, a singular motion and I'm trying to just describe things that are related, right? So I'm not like, I'm, I'm trying specifically not to move my 
narration eye and yeah. look at like faces or you know teeth at this moment because that's not what's relevant okay so um, you so you stay very focused to the action at at hand that is the most like important yeah and uh, another thing that i uh remember reading or hearing from some other people is to with with action not have short sentences even though short sentences and there's some parts in here where i had some short ones and i didn't really mean to but short sentences um having a lot of them it when you're writing it sometimes feels like it's going to be really fast because like uh he ran uh, she threw a punch he dodged right and it sounds like it feels like those are quick because you're writing them quick but when you're reading them each period adds this pause that really slows down the feel of the fight uh, or or whatever is going on and so what i was trying to do here is to have these kind of longer sentences that like go on for multiple lines you know losing using a lot of commas and stuff like that and i think another effect of you know having these long sentences and using commas a lot is that it also does force you to have these things always be related to each other because you Mm. can't if it's in the same sentence it doesn't feel right for you to to jump to an entirely different angle or topic so that's just some of the thoughts that i was trying to keep in mind as i was writing it i think yeah definitely and i mean that was that's very apparent like through like throughout especially the uh fight scene um i did notice that there were like longer sentences but but at the same time the length of them kind of allowed us as the reader to get multiple to, to get multiple bits of this action as it's going through so we can totally paint it within our our mind um i think a another thing that that you used really well um uh to kind of build up this 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 action was a lot of your terminology uh Mm -hmm. from the main character having a runt uh creature versus the like uh the like big boys uh i liked where you use the wrestling terminology of the um opponent going heel that was really nice yeah yeah (laughs) i i i I think you you taught me that word, uh, or like taught me that it, you could use it in this kind of context. Yeah, <laughs> too much wrestling. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I'm glad that um, the the setup worked um, to to like carry through the scene. Um, that that I, I, as I've mentioned on on previous episodes, I've really uh, one like big flaw I had when I was going into. Uh, you know writing anything was that i really wasn't sure how much and how often the audience needs to be reminded of something Mm -hmm. and in this i kind of let go a bit i described the arena like once and then i might remind you just when like the sand is relevant again but like that's it i'm not reminding you of like the fur and stuff like that unless like it really is relevant to the certain moment Uh, another thing i was paying attention to was using a lot of like really physical language right Mm -hmm. um and i had to i didn't dig out of the thesaurus but i I had to think for some moments you know i was trying to like yeah like there's only so many times you can use rip and tear before it's like the, the same thing over and over so i was having to i pulled out eviscerate which is I love that word. It's, yeah. It feels so good. It's such a strong um, word, too. Jeez. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and actually, it's having to use a different word sometimes like made me do something more interesting. Mm, so yeah. there's some stuff like that. So um, going, so going back through, I'm pretty sure there was a lot from this that you probably had to a cut, or I guess you know just certain changes that you made. So like, if you did have a second chance to, to like go back through it, what exactly? 
would you do to kind of, I don't know, make it a little bit more tasty? Sure. Um, so basically, I, I wrote this in two settings. I wrote the first half one night, and then I wrote the actual fight scene and the meat of the story the next okay. uh, day. So basically, like, I had set up in my mind what this world was and stuff, and then the next day I was like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be doing action. Let's actually get to the action. <laughs> um, and it forced me to uh, put some stuff around. So originally it was like, uh, main character walking into into the arena and like seeing everyone and then eventually like we cut to getting the fight started and I was like okay let's just start the fight and then I had to adapt stuff around that so um if I was going to make this like longer I think I would show a little bit more I might have like the the main character going against some other runs perhaps or just just doing some more setup not slowing it down i wouldn't like describe another fight with a runt like in this much detail because it's not really worth spending that much time on it Mm -hmm. but creating more of a run up so that like this is like the ending of the first chapter right and this is like an actual like big fall and a big loss and probably set up some more stakes for like why this is really bad okay Um, i see so basically do more work not necessarily on the action bit but you know all that setup kind of making that a little bit more palpable i think this is like a, a pretty pretty okay length for an action thing like this because yeah. i think if it goes much further it, it really is only like three paragraphs of action more or less maybe a little mm-hmm. bit further but in between some of the action is just like descriptions of what the main character is thinking and setting up some more of those stakes so it ends up feeling a little bit longer it ends up being like more like a one or two pages yeah but uh when you really get into like the blow by blow and just like continue going on and on about stuff again when i know when i do that in my own writing it gets pretty boring mm-hmm. yeah so i was trying to do other stuff with that yeah um, i mean that's a another thing of like determining how much of this action you really need to add because if it's not that that much then it's not really action or, or could pass by too too quick to where the reader isn't really allowed to see it but yeah uh, as you said if it is too long uh, then the reader bows out. I know, like, halfway through reading uh, The Road by Cormac uh, McCarthy, I just totally checked out. <laughs> because he just kept talking about this black, deserted wasteland, which, yes, it was cool the first time in, like, the first chapter, but I'm on chapter <laughs> okay. eight. So Yeah, yeah. It, when it's stuff that really doesn't, like, matter so much, um, what I was trying to do here is that, like, every blow that I talked about was, like, important for mm-hmm. or, i mean i was trying to anyway like the first one is like the first blood we're establishing you know what how this is not going to go the way that amicus thinks the second one is you know really like we're really starting to win until with the the skin ripping off thing I so we're like oh there's more tricks thank so you much. thank you <laughs> I, that was that was something i discovered as i went i didn't have that in mind before okay I went, so like so like, like as you were writing you said oh maybe uh, Scar. His name isn't Scarsgard. It's Scarzar. Scarzar. You can just call him Scar if you want. It's yeah. Fine. Uh, maybe Scar has this bone exoskeleton, and I do like how uh, that also linked into the kind of checking process. Yeah. That 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 a lot of these creatures have. So yeah, that was just really great. I really dug, I dug it. I'm, I'm I'm glad you liked it. Just to finish off the topic. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, and then the of course the last you know bit of action is the the twist right and mm-hmm. that's the dramatic thing you know if, if this fight was like on screen there might be like more if it was a real fight there definitely would be more you know more of this like taking little bites out stuff like that and one thing as i went 
I describe I didn't describe stuff that kind of already happened as much. Um, so like I wasn't describing specifically, you know, what's getting cut or there's, I mean, there's a part where the part right before that skin ripping off thing, mm-hmm. um, I have a gut wrench roared and began wrestling with Scar's to get it off its back, right? And they fell to the ground, sand spraying. For multiple seconds, Scar was able to dance out of the way of those arms. They each hop, scoring chunks of flesh out with its teeth before gut wrench was able to get a handle on Scar's forehead. So if you saw that visually, that actually would be like a lot of different actions, right? Mm-hmm. The, the wrestling is actually a lot of movements, but it does not matter what specifically is happening. It does not matter at all if his hand like grabs at his leg and then he gets free and then he like smacks his, you know, chest or it doesn't, none of that is interesting. Yeah. So you just sum it up. So I, th- th- this is probably all pretty obvious to some people, but for me, when I was first... For, for a long time when I was describing action, that is the kind of stuff I would describe. You, you have to learn that it's, like, the audience can be trusted to imagine some stuff. Mm, yeah, and I mean, that's, that's like, a huge thing is just determining how much you can trust your audience to realize what you are doing. And uh, through writing this and, like, other things, I've kind of come to find out that uh, a audience is, is a lot smarter and a lot more per- yeah. perceptive on, on certain things then you might think. So, you know, you should treat them as such and not as children. <laughs> yeah. Um, the last thing I want to mention is uh, with the, the, the twist, with the hidden uh, spike thing, um, mm-hmm. I'm happy with that turned out because with something that I had set up already, um, I didn't even have to go back and add it with the, the scanning thing. Mm-hmm. Just the, the, that it was kind of ironic, right? Because the, the main character really prides themselves on not having any, like, little dirty tricks, right? Yeah. They have, like, advantages. They did it a... The, like the skin thing is like a little bit of a trick but it's not really a trick trick it's just like an advantage yeah and then this like hidden spike thing which is also uh in that episode of love death and robots it's <laughs> yes, it is. That, that's exactly in there whatever um it's exactly what like the main characters pride themselves on not doing so it like hurts a little bit more that that's what gets them mm, yeah nice so after writing this this fantastic story uh what is the takeaway for you I think I just have like a, a better handle on action. I think I also have a better handle on um, a little bit of, of voice and this irony and letting characters suffer because I'm not someone that is actually really good at making my characters lose. Yeah. <laughs> um, it just doesn't come naturally to me. Uh, I have to I have to think, oh yeah, that would make sense and make the story more interesting. So yeah, I think this is a, another step in, in the right direction of uh, trusting myself and um, getting a little bit more uncomfortable with stuff. So. Okay, um, so that's all that I have about my story. Um, let's get into the listener story section. Nice. Our listener <clears throat> stories are great every week, and we're so thankful for the people that do write in. It makes this entire thing all, all worth it. But as a disclaimer for those listening right now, we are going to spoil these stories immensely, talk about them in depth and in detail. So if you haven't read them, Please stop right now, go and listen to them so you can get the full experience of it without being spoiled. That's right. Uh, this week we're talking about stories by Ace of Sword, uh, Vivachuk, uh, a new uh, writer, mm-hmm. uh, Jarby Joss, another new writer, Kausublu V2, and then Fat Baby Owlbear, another new writer. Nice. All, wonderful use names all around. I, I love these. And these, also, are, these are great. It's crazy. We we got three new writers this uh, this week. That's really awesome. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's just uh, get on into it, right? All right. So first up will be Ace of Sword with with Oh my God! How how did this how did this happen? How 
how for those who haven't kept up ace of sword uh has been writing a basically a serial along with uh with, with us so basically almost every single week they've written an entry in this particular setting advancing the story and almost every single time they write uh in this setting we've selected their story uh i talked in uh we talked in one of the discussion threads but basically we've only missed like two Mm -hmm. of their entries ever and there's like what one two three four five six seven eight and now nine (laughs) entries so i don't well you know what i mean they are throwing their like story out there every week and they are leaving comments so exactly so that's that just goes to show if you if you do this every week you do get selected a lot so Mm -hmm. um, also yeah that's just how it goes it could be uh that they are a uh doof uh, patreon member uh, which also gives them a, lo- a another leg up yes. in the drawing yeah. process. So I think that is also the case. Um, but yeah, so um, Ace of Sword uh, has another story. This one is called uh, Firebrand, and this is the last chapter in this series, I believe. <sighs> Um, and it is a fitting end. So uh, this uh, guardswoman that we've been following, uh, the story is a little bit hard to summarize because there's just so much that has happened. There's, and, plot, uh, there's been yeah. ten thousand words of of progress before this, oh, wow. um, or however much. So, uh, but basically, uh, this guardswoman is confronting uh, the lord of the city over a, a conspiracy that has been brewing to basically like kill the poor, right? And, and there's been a, a cover up, right? So she's addressing the, the lord, and um, she makes an accusation that there was another magic user there that attacked her. And uh, magic users are pretty rare, right? So the uh, lord um, says to put the court mage, an old man, and probably not the culprit, and uh, the guardswoman in jail uh, until this can be sorted out. But over the course of this conversation and just by looking at different people, the guardswoman kind of realizes that it was not uh, someone outside the city. It was not some criminal that set fire to the slums and and killed a bunch of people and uh, did a. There's no criminal organization doing a cover up. It's actually the lord of the city, um, who really. I mean, this whole story has really seemed like a a kind and like good person but we get revealed that he's actually been the villain all along he um started this fire that destroyed the homes of all the poor so that he could basically force them to like work for like housing and for like a public work public works progress mm. project so he's creating slate basically basically and so um the guardswoman um the lord you know kind of drops his guys he becomes kind of evil he starts using magic which he has had secretly or actually no i don't think it's been that secret but we didn't know that it was like an evil kind of magic and uh so the tensions rise uh, escalate and uh the guardswoman brings out the fire magic that she has had a new kind of magic and um a fight ensues there's some there's some great um descriptions of how this fire is working uh, there's a particular fantastic line here i want to pull out men screamed as armor and jewelry were reminded of their fiery birth Ooh, Oof. that's great it's a great way to, to just say that the metal got hot that's awesome uh but it, it ends with um a callback to basically the very beginning uh she learns that last spell that this old man that created the magic book that she got that gave her her magic conflagration and we get the implication that she's kind of gone a little bit uh mad with magical power and is like good gonna burn down this entire place (laughs) i mean what a fitting end to this saga that we've been talking about on this podcast and i mean think talking about the 
action, that entire section of, of this actual battle was handled really well, um, especially when dealing with magic. I know it can become very difficult to try and balance those those two things, but it, it turned out really great. At the end, I'm 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 almost saddened that we won't <laughs> have this this uh, story to kind of depend on each week and to yeah, every single week. <laughs> um, yeah, Ace of Sword uh, in a comment talks about uh, there might they might be doing a like epilogue sequel setup kind of thing, um, but that this is the end of uh, the Guard Woman's the Guard Woman's like story in this anyway. Um, Ace of Sword was asking about how we picture the Guards Woman. I mean, I picture her as you know a pow- powerhouse. So mm-hmm. like I I think uh, Ace of Sword did a, a great job with that. I think that's more like implied than like full on described, but I think that yeah. works out fine. Tall so. with rippling muscles. Yeah, I mean, if she can like punch people's heads in and like barrel through guards like she does in the the stories, like that's you know, that you kind of imply a physique that way so yeah so uh I, I, you know i think the main critiques is more just like on uh, particular I, I think the main critique of this particular chapter is some of the dialogue felt a little i i don't know what the word is like not spacey but like maybe disjointed yeah unfocused maybe mm-hmm. i don't know not all of those words apply one specific word between all of those applies um <laughs> where it, it just uh, felt a little off um but uh the the action in this is is really really well done and i really liked it and and of course this this twist is really interesting as well so yeah so i mean i think the only shout out that i can really think of is that now that this series is is finished it's the perfect time to to go back and do the edit thing (laughs) for the next do the edit thing ace of sword please uh, collate all of your stories <laughs> and then edit them into one uh, two thousand word story because we only have so much time to read. Yeah. So <laughs> cut it all down. No, uh, but but thanks so much for for submitting that Ace of Sword. This is really cool, yeah. and I'm I'm glad that someone is doing a, a serial like this and was able to complete it when even when it got so long. I know it's so <clears throat> got awesome. so long. Uh, all right, so next up is Vivichuk with Hard Truth to Swallow. Um, so we have uh, Cass. She is from from the very first line. We see how stressed out stressed out she uh-huh. is. Um, she is frightened of something that is about to happen, and we we don't fully understand what that means. My first thought was that this is like a Groundhog Day kind of thing. Just just that I was like left wondering, but in a way that wasn't confusing. Uh, so she's actually like on a on a camping trip, but she knows that something bad is about to happen because in her dreams she actually sees a little bit of the future. It seems almost always bad things, and she's kind of riddled with anxiety because of it. Not it's not a, a an anxiety of like things that she's afraid might happen but things that she know she knows is going to happen we get a lot of description you know she, she's had some conflicts with her parents who like don't believe her and thinks that she's just you know stressed out and, and dealing with a lot of stuff as a teenager and while that sympathy is probably good for you know someone that is dealing with those things she's not dealing it with with them in that way so it's not actually helpful um the anxiety increases uh what's going to happen is that um yeah this slumber party kind of or camping trip i think like a like a field trip i I believe Uh um one girl is going to find out that another girl is cheating with her boyfriend and they're gonna have a a they're gonna start fighting one of them's gonna hit their head and bleed and i almost thought that she might be dying but i I don't think that's the case Uh but you know clearly very injured in in a bad way and things are gonna escalate and, and be really bad and in conjunction with that 
uh, it's unclear if this is just because of the anxiety or if it's or if it's a direct side effect of these visions coming to fruition. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Cass is also getting like more nauseous and knows she's about to throw up. Um, so there's just a lot, a lot of you know horrible tension in this, and uh, it ends exactly as the story says it does. Um, the, the the fight is about the 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 start to, to to kick off the argument, and she feels the vomit push its way through her throat. Um, and over her retching, she she hears the start. So, yeah, super super tense. I know it's. I mean, it, as you said, it's a fa- it's a fantastic story that's just tense uh, th- throughout, and I love like how much this is affecting Cass physically, right? And, yeah. And like how it perfectly measures uh, how it perfectly measures up to this event that that she knows with beyond a shadow of a doubt is going to happen, and it does happen. Uh, and it's that that ending that really drives it home. Yeah, I think tying, like having a, a such a physical description of what this anxiety is of just you know vomit, right? Uh, among everything else, anchors all of these feelings into you know this physical feeling, and and really, I mean, we know what vomiting feels like. It's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's never good. And yeah, the story just really goes to length to show how it, I, I keep using the same words, but that's because of how focused the story is anxious and tense and just feels bad, man. <laughs> um, and that's that's really well done. Uh, next story is by Jarby Joss, uh, a new writer as well, um, with uh, Tales of Port Celine 01. So we open up on uh, these docks with this uh, warehouse in this uh, particular narration that is pretty um direct in its voice mm-hmm. it's it's first person but it's it seems like it's almost like talking to us uh it's very train of thought uh we're in this old detective's head who has been paired up with this uh younger detective and mm-hmm. you know we get some classic like you A know perfect pair. the old detective doesn't want to be dealing with the younger detective but like they have to mm-hmm. and so there's like a little bit of tension and arguments there but for the most part it's pretty respectful they go in to investigate the crime scene and you know, we see some more of their dynamic the old one kind of testing the younger one and over the course of this we kind of get that there's uh, powers in this world and it's very like subtly you know implied you just like first in dialogue uh, just what do you think could it be powers and so we get the implication that that's a normal thing you got to investigate and then we slowly find out that the characters have powers themselves and it's done in a very nice slow reveal kind of way yeah uh and basically we just get some more description of what's what's going on here we end with a clear lead on where this might be going and uh how they might have to go about it um so i i I thought this was really interesting um and i really do love that like slow reveal and uh how we get the dynamic between these two characters and how it's both like positive and negative in different ways. Definitely. I think it's a really great uh, first section in this story. Um, and I like how the, uh, the addition of these powers is, as you said, very subtle uh, and it doesn't really stay like, it doesn't take the, the forefront is well integrated into this society and, and especially in the way that the, uh, characters talk um i also do in, enjoy the trope of the younger detective being being paired up with the older one because that always like breeds a certain sense of levity and uh comedy um while also setting up both of the characters by by them being paired with something that that they're not so i i, I right. really really dug it yeah no I, I i really really enjoyed it and i'd love to see more of these these characters yeah 
the next story is by Kausublu V2 with Night Shift uh, from the Magic Rings series. <laughs> so I think this is the the third entry. Um, and so correct me if I'm wrong. We've talked about most of them. Yes, yes, we talked about all three. All I believe. Three, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> In the first one, a hedge mage created a uh, magic tome before being hunted down um, mm-hmm. and threw this magic tome into a basket. And then in the last chapter, our main character, Kara, uh, bought the basket and therefore the tome as well. <laughs> so we open with her. Basically, immediately we could tell that this this book is not normal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a rush of information literally at her fingertips, an unending deluge for an insatiable mind. If only she turned the page, nothing else mattered. Only the book, the pages, the words, the very letter, those letters themselves. No piece too small disclosed some small sec, and then she gets interrupted. Uh, so that's a, a really great way to, to set up um, what this this book is. And it's really really interesting. Just it, it it's really fun to read. Yeah, it, it's sort of like maddening, you know, Lovecraftian kind of thing, but not in a in a obnoxious way. You know, <laughs> like how Lovecraft sometimes is. <laughs> uh, how he always is. How he always <laughs> is. And so we follow. Uh, Car closes the book. She goes back to the inn. We kind of just get some more slice of life sort of stuff and like what's going on in her life. She's just the the. Uh, barmaid at an inn making some tips um and stuff like that and we just get some more setting stuff until at the end of the day she then looks at the book again and she opens it and the knowledge washes over her again and again we get another you know flooding of knowledge and there's some great description stuff here of how every single detail in the this book you know matters and as we go through this description we start hearing the actual writing of it, the sound of the ink as it was scrawled in a frenzy, delicate and exact and desperate to be recorded. And so um, I really like how the description really feels like we are diving deeper and deeper into yeah. it. Um, and in the morning, she has a bunch of new, terrible knowledge. Yeah, And I mean, as you said, the just the description in this definitely takes the uh, cake, like it has this slight love Lovecraftian feel but it's still very grounded. Uh, and I do love how after the beginning, we get more about this uh, character and kind of setting her up and her kind of mun, uh, inner mundane living. And then we go back to this book and mysticism around this, this book is being built up very well through the description. And it just entices me to want to read more of it. Yeah. Um, if I'm going to do any critique, I think that... Um the 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 line before that last description mm-hmm. it has a then she slowly reached for the book and opened it and the knowledge washed over her again um that feels like a great last line mm-hmm. so i almost wanted it to just end there and then like in another section uh, another chapter we kind of flash back and get that kind of description mm, yeah. because it just like it feels so like um something is going to happen not like a full-on cliffhanger because we know what's happening we know that it's the knowledge washing over her um but in just in a very enticing way and i think when we get told what the what the magic is what what it does um before it ends it's like we get we we feel i mean this isn't necessarily a clear bad thing but we feel like very satisfied right And so I, I think, you know, if this was a like a book or something like that, I think you'd probably want to end on the like f- fade to black something, you know, get, find out next week what going in this book is like. 
Um, okay. Uh, uh, yeah, that was a, a fantastic story. That I, I'm really interested in seeing some more horrible tome reading and madness <laughs> and all sorts of stuff. All right. So our last story for this week is by Fat Baby Al Bear with Bearing Gifts. This is a really fascinating story. This was the, the actually I remember um, Fat Baby Al Bear and uh, the next person. Um, Sir Raven both posted like within like just a couple hours of me uh, posting the link, I believe, mm-hmm. um, which was like, I was like, God damn, I guess I need to start posting it earlier. And then this week I posted it on Sunday because I forgot. So <laughs> whoops. Yeah, I, I, I keep meaning to do the scheduling thing. Anyway, let's get into the story. Uh, so <laughs> we open with this description of this the cyberpunk city, and it's awesome. I love this opening. Um, Central San Alejo was an oil slick of neon signs, Ugh. a riot of flashing colors that burned themselves onto the retinas of anyone who looked too long. I love th- that particular description, oil slick of neon signs, because um, it's just so... It, it's, it's it's evocative in this really really effective and efficient way um and, and poetic as well because it's like i i talked about this in the comments so fat, fat baby Oliver has already heard this but an oil slick right is uh when you see it it's like a reticent right it's got all those different colors in it mm-hmm. it's um but it's has all these other connotations of it being man-made it being polluted it being like sticky and bad and um, not Corrosive. normal, right? And then you have neon signs, which are these also like colorful, but also like very garish and kind of like cheap in connotation sort of things. Mm-hmm. And so the city, Central San Alejo, uh, being this polluted, full of color, but in a cheap way sort of place, just set off the the bat, just really gives us an entire idea of what this place I know. is. And, and I think it's great um, how, like, in other works that I've seen, just to describe that, it would be three whole paragraphs. And it's summed <laughs> up in this one, like, really well-written yeah. sentence. Not, not even the whole... I'm not even talking about the whole first sentence. I'm talking about the first clause yeah. <laughs> in... In a, in a compound sentence. Yeah, so, okay, so that's that's the first sentence I'm talking about. Not to summarize the actual story. <laughs> so we follow uh, uh, Dana, who has these augmented eyes, uh, but they're kind of in, augmented in a cheap way, so clearly, you know, something's happened. They glow green, and, Poison. you know, they're not as good as even... They're better than real eyes, maybe, but not better than, like, legally purchased uh, augmented mm-hmm. eyes. So she's going along the city. We get some more, you know, great description of, of what this place feels like. It's cyberpunk. It's dirty. Um, you know, it's uh, a little bit authoritarian. She goes into a gimbal's shop, uh, biomechanic, you know, cyberpunk mechanic kind of place, uh, bringing Chinese food as a sort of, like, extra payment, right? The, almost the entry fee. <laughs> uh, and then lies down on the uh, surgical table. And then when she lies down, the sound of heavy government-scheduled rain uh, starts beating on the roof, um, and uh, Gimbal puts her under anesthesia to uh, do some more augmentation. So super evocative, uh, wonderful, you know, scene of of cyberpunk stuff. I, I love, you know, so the light little twists that were in there that are just like a little bit different from your average cyberpunk thing. Um, yeah, I, I love this. Yeah, and as we've talked about so much, the setting is so great; it's really tangible. Uh, and the description and the detail taken into these augmentations 
is very cyberpunk and i absolutely love anything cyberpunk to be honest yeah uh, but, but i think this this story does do a really great job of taking that and trying to make it its own and i really appreciate mm-hmm. that my mistake. Uh, I just realized that uh, Dana's non-binary, and I've been using female pronouns this whole time. I, I don't know how I forgot that. I remember like noting that and thinking it's really cool, um, just to have more non-binary rep- representation. And then I forgot. It's been a week since since I read this story. Okay, that's my excuse. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, Dana. You know, cyberpunk has always been tied up with the, the queer movements and stuff like that. So this is another you know cool entry in that. Um, anyway, so uh, at the end here, this hiss of anesthesia and Dana slides down into unconscious- unconsciousness to the drum of the rain is such a really good, uh, a wonderful like image and feeling and like it's got all these sounds and stuff like that too. Um, and as I mentioned in, in a comment, I think prolonging this a little bit more and adding some more meaning into, you know, this government scheduled rain and the anesthesia and like what this, what we the audience, if not Dana themselves, should be feeling reading that, I think would have made this ending like really, really good. I know Fat Baby Albert uh, talks about how it ran out of time. Um, and again, I just want to remind you guys that it's totally okay to take a little bit of extra time to, to to finish stuff off. The the main purpose with the timer is really just to get yourself mm-hmm. going, right? It's that pressure. Yeah, to, to not put off writing stuff. If you know that you're going to be able to write even if you know, you're going to have a little extra time at the end, go ahead and, and finish off that ending, you know, um, especially if like you've already reached it, right? If you're if you're rushing to reach the ending and then you reach it, it's okay if you take a little bit of extra time to, to polish it up and, and get it to where you want it to be. Because that's really the most important part is to be happy about what you're doing here. So. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, but really enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, it was a fantastic story. Well, all right, those are all of our stories for this week. We are super sad that we can't get to every single last one that was submitted this week, but uh, uh, we ain't got that kind of time, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> but we do want to say a big old do the right thing thank you to everyone who did submit a uh, story this week and the people that did, did comment. All right, so thank you, Sarah Penguin. Thank you, Zakatiggy. Thank you, Ace of Sword. Thank you, Vivichuk. Thank you, Ghost Pac-Man 4. Thank you to Kamikaze Tomato. Thank you, Jarpy Jab. Thank you, Kausubalu V2. Thank you, One Merry Lilac. Thank you, Paradox. Thank you, Sir Raven. And thank you, Fat Baby Albert. And thank you so much to all the people that did leave comments. Uh, leaving comments not only helps you, in your ability to analyze someone someone else's work but getting feedback for something that you put time into just feels so great and it can definitely help you kind of hone your pen when it comes to writing so uh thank you very much ghost pac-man 4 uh kamikaze tomato thank you castle blue v2 jarby joss paradox fat baby owlbear ace of sword and vivichuk you guys did a great job thanks so much fantastic job if you want to be like all of these wonderful writers for this week, uh, then you can go to our subreddit, which is slash r slash do the right thing. All you have to do is go to the most recent week or any week that you really want to write on. Uh, set a timer for 30 minutes and use three of four words for that week. That's right, which we'll announce at the end here. Mm-hmm. Um, if you uh, don't have a Reddit account or uh, just want to send us feedback, you can uh, send us an email at rightthingcast at gmail.com. Uh, I promise that we are getting better at uh, checking it uh, <laughs> and actually responding. Uh, 
apologize for people in the past that didn't get the proper feedback. You guys are awesome. Uh, we, we also have now discussion threads on the subreddit. So if you want to talk about the actual episode itself without, you know, leaving a story, that's the place to do and it. And if you want to have as much time as possible to see next week's words, well, you could just listen to the end of this podcast. And or you can also go to our Twitter which is at RightThingCast, where, where we will try our best to post the words for next week on the weekend. Yeah, it, it was supposed to be on Saturdays. Um, I, I found a post schedule thing uh, for Reddit, and oh, I just really? haven't figured out how it works. And it's, uh, I'm so annoyed because I finally got the motivation to, to use it when I was doing Decomposing Worm, but then I actually like can't do it with decomposing worm because i need to have the episode finished beforehand some other stuff and i was like this is very annoying but um yeah so so do the right thing post should be released schedule and i just have put it off for way too long but anyway (laughs) so matthias tell me what is happening in our network uh, a lot of things are happening in, in our network. Um, the one that I'm going to talk about, I'm going to be selfish here, is, uh, of course, what I just mentioned, Decomposing Worm, uh, a new a new podcast of the network where uh, Clarence and I, uh, a frequent, uh, I shouldn't say frequent, but a, a guest of, of Do the Right Thing, um, he's, he's really, really cool. Uh, we're doing a podcast uh, analyzing worm book by book. Um, basically, uh, so Scott and Matt, you know, the, we've got worm when basically they, they had the, some other podcasts before then, but that's the, the big thing, you know, for our network, of course. And uh, they analyzed arc by arc, right? So each episode was covering uh, one arc and they went chapter by chapter over it. And so Clarence and I, just to, just to switch it up, um, we are doing it uh, book by book, which we arbitrarily uh, divided worm into books. The first one is a uh, arcs one through eight so if you've read arcs one through eight you can go listen to that episode um the first uh episode is the overview episode uh where we did more closer to the we've got worm thing and you can hear clarence's you know reactions and his wonderfully articulated uh themes and theories and all sorts of stuff it's it's always delightful talking to worm talking <laughs> talking about worm to anyone um and then the, the next episode we're going to do is uh going to we'll we'll be writing some essays and stuff on worm on the these first eight arcs nice. so i'm really excited to release that that second episode that's coming out um the, this friday that this episode comes out um and yeah it's gonna be gonna be super super cool um and of course there's uh, so many other amazing things on the doofcast uh, on the doof network um i know that um the elliot and ruben uh just finished their their pilot season um they did a bunch of uh, one-off episodes with completely different themes uh, and after they they finished uh pale reflections whenever pale is finished uh they'll they'll pick one of those to do a series on um it's, there's some really really great stuff in here um, my votes are currently somewhere tied between what was it called the, the one that's on uh the expanse series which i don't remember the, the title of because it's in the like con lang from that world and it's, it's great they, they just are so happy when they talk about it and um stone age meeple where uh elliot and ruben uh look at ancient board games and uh, basically try them out and explain them and explain their history and stuff That's like so that. That's so awesome. Yeah, it was really, really cool. The first episode was on uh, an Egyptian game called Senate in which there's like three theories on what like the rules are mm-hmm. and they um, explain what those are. It's a really, really great dis- discussion. I loved it. So um, yeah, so uh, of course there's, there's uh, so many other things. We've got what, like nine podcasts now or something like that? <laughs> we just keep I, growing. I can't even remember. You know what? Uh, Let's make it 10. 
Let's make it 10. Uh, so if you like what we do here at Doof Media, uh, all, all these crazy things, you can uh, help us out by either leaving a rating and review, which is free, or donating a dollar a month or whatever else you can afford at our Patreon. By, by doing that, you will basically help us out uh, just, you know, with certain expenses. And also, you know, you will support the uh, content that you do enjoy consuming. So if so, if you have it and if you want to, go ahead and, and give it. It would benefit us all uh so next week uh you know we're, we're, we're trying to trying to theme these episodes again let us know you know what you guys think of this uh we are going to be focusing on setting uh so just different angles on that uh, you know description or world building um uh things like that so jarvis uh you're excited for that oh i am quite excited i'm going to pull out all of the stops and maybe come up with something that isn't boo-boo garbage Wow, that's all we can dream for. Um, all right, is there anything else we need to cover before we outro here? No, I don't think so. I think the only other thing that we need to really talk about is what next week's words are. You know what? Go ahead and tell me. What are next week's words? Well, next week's words are, and thank you so much for asking, they are rain, contain, corruption, and bubble. Um, all right, so we have rain as in like the water that falls from the sky. Um, I'm prob- sure there's probably at least one other meaning of that word. Contain, as in to either um, to, to, to keep something mm-hmm. in something else, um, or a container. You could use it in that word. Um, basically, to, to hold something inside something. Uh, corruption, as in uh, either the political way where uh, government officials are uh, paid off uh, to not do their job, basically, to, to let you break the law. Or corruption in the more magical sense of like uh, disease of, but a, a disease that can be like of anything and uh, bubble. <laughs> so the little uh, little little bubbles that float through the sky and bubble up yeah, through the water. Is there and any other stuff like that definition for bubble besides that? I let's find out. I'm Alexa, define bubble. I googled. And uh, so I have two uh, interesting definitions. Of course, there is the the verb, um, like uh, bubbling emotions, uh-huh. things like that, right? Um, and the other one, uh, the fourth definition for a noun of bubble is a marine mollusk that typically has a thin scroll-like huh. shell. All right. So either so. they're... So either we could talk about um, spherical gas things that come from, from liquid or... A skinny mollusk. Mm-hmm. So what's your story going to be, Jarvis? So my story for next week is going to be about a boy and his box of games. Uh, mm-hmm. He has put every game that, that he has ever owned, from video games to board games, into this one strangely tiny box that somehow is able to hold all of it. It is able to contain everything that, that, that gives him, him joy. In this small 4x4 box. Well, one day when he's moving out of his his house, uh, this thing that he cared about so much somehow slipped his mind. Now, he was hoping that he had just left it home. But, in fact, he didn't leave it home and he left it right by where his car was parked. And it was raining that night. So, in the heat of the moment he sped up his his car to a writhing 175 miles per hour coming back home to get (laughs) this box where all of his valuable things are in and when he gets there the box is worn 
wet and, and has been corrupted by the dingy, dingy acid rain that falls all over his, his small little town. He realized that maybe he shouldn't go in there and maybe it was time for him to grow up and leave childish things be behind. And after thinking that, he took the box and put it into his trunk because he knew that he could not depart from it. And he drove back home. Bubble. You had so much time. <laughs> I thought you were like, that. this is all set up just for that final bubble, but, but no. <laughs> I just couldn't find any way on how to use the word bubble with all right, so uh, in my story, we we are talking. We are uh, from the perspective of a squadron Ooh. of uh, plague doctor kind of like it's like a like they like the fighting back the plague because uh, it's a it's like it's a sickness on the land. It's not a plague. It's actually it's that the the land is corrupted because mm. uh, this rain fell that that um, corrupted corrupted the land. Um, <laughs> And uh, so these plague, this plague team is sent to contain it right inside the sphere, but it's steadily growing. You know what this corruption is? It's actually a bunch of bubbles. So this, this rain falls, and then whenever the rain falls, like a bubble comes out, and like it explodes. And then when the bubble explodes, everywhere that the bubble explodes turns into more bubbles. And so it's just been spreading, and so like this like team of doctors has to uh, pop the bubbles from far away with really long needles. <laughs> and that's my story. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, I guess you use all, all the words. I think my story, I, I, let's switch off. I think my story actually is a much better example of setting. So let's just, let's do mine. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so, well, I mean, I don't want to write next week, so you can do my story All right, so next I will, week. So I will write your story next week. Next week, by the way, we're going to be talking about setting. So, uh, yeah, hopefully uh, both of our stories have a fantastic end, or at least a good mm-hmm. beginning, or maybe an mm-hmm. okay middle, you know? An okay uh, middle, I mean, which is all we can really hope for on this show, which is called Doof Network. Do the, do the right thing. Okay. Bye. <laughs>